0: Please note the following episode includes sensitive materials such as sexual and substance abuse, mental illness, human trafficking, and violence. Know there are resources available to support you, which will be included in the show notes. Welcome to the Rebel Groundbreakers podcast, where we aim to inspire, motivate, and create future Rebel Groundbreakers. On this podcast, we discuss topics with UNLV students, alumni, and community leaders to provide listeners with knowledge and resources to succeed. Welcome back to our podcast, Rebel Groundbreakers. Today we're going to be discussing something that I think will resonate with many of you at varying points in your college career, and even throughout life, and that is mental health. And what better way to go about this rather heavy topic than to do so with our special guest for today, Dr. Sharon Jaylene, who I will allow to introduce herself, but will also keep in mind that in order to earn her doctoral degree, she was also a student just as we are and has more than likely dealt with some of the many struggles we are now experiencing in college.
1: Hi, hi everybody. Hi Rachel, how are you?
0: I'm great. How are you today? Oh, it's good to see
1: you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us today. We thought this episode would be really fitting to have you on because you mentioned previously you wrote your dissertation on student depression.
1: That's right. I, the broad topic of my studies in my dissertation, my PhD, um, was called student depression. And from that, uh, I was so far able to publish one paper that was really examining the relationship between fitness and depression in college students. So that was published in a journal called Frontiers in Exercise Physiology. And the title of that, in case you're interested, (laughs) is Estimated Cardiorespiratory Fitness is Associated with Reported Depression in Students. And maybe we can put a link to that um, on the the hub. As well, uh, right now we're In submission, we've got two more papers, and one is dealing specifically with students who are in a sexual gender minority and depression levels, and we actually found that women that were lesbian or bisexual had higher rates of depression, which um, actually has been shown in other research. Our research found, however, that bisexual women did not report higher levels of depression which is a little bit different from what we have found from the general population so that that's currently in submission and then finally we asked students if they would be willing to go to college counseling centers um, and we also asked if they'd be interested in alternative interventions such as exercise or meditation, and we found that substantially more students were interested in the alternative treatments, um, although certainly, you know, counseling can be such a a valuable tool. So lots of topics um, and a very important overall theme, in my opinion, for all of us.
0: Yes, and I think it's very interesting how you mentioned um, the importance of cardiorespiratory fitness as it kind of correlates to mental health, especially because I'm very avid and Um, practicing my fitness. And I definitely think that there is a correlation between how it affects me in school. And I also have noticed that like, it can be hard to go and talk to somebody when you do need that help. But taking that extra step to talk to a counselor is something that is important and something that we shouldn't be afraid to do if we need help.
1: Well, for some reason, um, and you know, I think we're all aware that there are biases about mental health. Uh, We are more inclined to talk about treating, improving our physical health. We'll certainly go to a doctor if we're unwell, and yet somehow we have yet to evolve to a point where we understand that mental health is equally as important as well. You know, the brain is just another organ of the body. If there is something that's negatively impacting that particular organ, it's producing side effects for the brain what that's going to result in is perhaps cognitive dysfunction, a uh, lack of being able to concentrate, uh, uh, or depression, which is something that, or anxiety, some some things that we're fairly familiar with. So we really just have to think of the brain as a valuable organ of the body and that we have to take some steps to, to care for that organ just as we would our heart and our muscles and our glutes and our abs and the things that maybe we spend a little bit more time on. So. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's important, particularly for college students, because uh, we have to sit a lot, don't we? Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> like you know, sit in chairs for hours a day, and if you're a kinesiology student, you're sitting there listening to the importance of activity and um, <laughs> and health, and you've been sitting for twelve hours. So yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. So, uh, but it is interesting because with college students, the stats show us that. Uh, Depression rates are about three or four times higher, and in some cases up to six times higher than in the general public. So it really is considered to be somewhat of a public health problem, um, mm-hmm. college student mental health. Most of the college counseling centers in the last several years have increased a 60 to 70% increase in requests for counseling, mostly to do with anxiety and depression. And, of course, it's really tough to all of a sudden provide enough uh, counseling options. Uh, Still very important that we have those counseling centers and can be very helpful and sometimes life-saving for students. Um, But we do know that being fit, um, engaging, in even just a brief walk, we're not necessarily talking about being an athlete or being a certain body size, or I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about going for a brisk walk or maybe dancing in your living room to your favorite music. Just some type of physical movement is shown to help improve those symptoms. I'm not suggesting it should be a replacement. If somebody is feeling very depressed, um, they certainly should talk with their physician or a mental health professional. I'm not suggesting that they replace exercise. Um, for important medical treatment i 'm suggesting that if we pay attention to our overall health, that we may have less anxiety and less uh, you know, less fewer depressive symptoms
0: right and I think um, that 's very important that you mention that because I kind of notice within myself that the experiences i 've had with anxiety have become more heightened as i 've gone um as I've become more advanced in college. Um, just kind of opening up, this is more of like a heavy situation in my own personal life, but before college, um, in my senior year of high school, I actually lost my father. And I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'm. Everyone has some kind of struggle that they're going to face at some point in their life, but I think that at that moment in time, it w- I wasn't processing it, so losing my father, I didn't really have those depressive symptoms or those feelings of anxiety right away because there are stages of grief that you go through and you don't you don't comprehend everything that's going on in that moment. But now that I'm older, it's three years after the fact, I'm becoming more aware of my emotions and how while I'm working on my fitness and my school endeavors, um, just how the anxiety kind of plays along with that And now I'm starting to realize that it's important to focus on my mental health as well as my physical health. So we're very glad to have you here. And we just want to ask you a couple of questions today and get your insight on being both a student, a professor, and a professional in this world. Okay, so the first question I want to dive in with you today is what was it like attending school for you? And how did you stabilize your own mental health simultaneously?
1: Well, I'm going to answer that question, but I first want to just say uh, how much I appreciate you sharing your experience and, and how much I really appreciate the strength that it took for you as a person to kind of maneuver through all of this and I'm sure still like, dealing with some things. So I am sorry that you had that experience. I, I've had a lot of students and that have unfortunately had great losses, so I think that telling your story can be really inspirational. So thank you for being transparent about it. Yeah, thank um, it, you. No, yeah, thank you for sharing. In answer to your question, um, I I would love to sit here and tell you and everybody out there that I did it just right. I did not. <laughs> um, when I first started, well, I, I had I had thirteen years of school full time, and I really wasn't aware of. Mental health challenges for college students. Until I was working on my doctorate, and but I was experiencing them, mm-hmm. and I had a history of some depression um, through my life, so it was not unknown. And my mother actually suffers from mental illness, so it has been a part of my life for uh, well since I was born, in reality. So. It wasn't a perfect road. I had to always work full-time. In my undergraduate, um, I sometimes worked two jobs and went to school full-time, so it was very difficult. Um, As I went into my master's degree and then eventually my PhD, I was employed at UNLV, which certainly made things easier in many ways, but it was hard, you know? Uh, I think most, most of my students here work as well as go to school, so it can be quite something. Um, But the things that I was able to do while I was completing my three degrees in 13 years, um, certainly trying to maintain some type of physical activity level. And sometimes I'm good at that and sometimes I'm not. I've actually called all of my students, and you guys are welcome to join us, to a fitness challenge this semester. We're going to do a 10-week fitness challenge, and we're putting a a board up in my classroom, and we're going to track our progress and try to like be workout buddies with each other, so that's good. So certainly maintaining, I do yoga, uh, particularly Bikram yoga, I'm a Bikram yoga instructor, so that helps me. Um, Sleep is very important. I learned that I really had to sleep. Uh, Staying up all night, sleeping three hours, um, it just, after the third day, I was in dangerous shape. So um, I, I also participate from time to time in cognitive behavioral therapy, which I have found to be very effective. Um, I certainly think that counseling can be a fantastic tool, and many years of my life, I had counselors. I have found that cognitive behavioral therapy um, is, for me, significantly better than just traditional talk therapy. It gives me some things to actually work on, and I like that. I am also a professional hypnotherapist, so I know how to do self-hypnosis, and I would say that that has been A lifesaver for me in in many, many ways. I know how to direct my mind to feel more positive or more relaxed um, in a light, imaginative way. And this might sound ridiculous, but I listen to comedy in the car. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I cycle now. Sometimes I listen to like true crime podcasts and like criminal justice podcasts, but otherwise I listen to like Pandora I probably can't say that here I listen to um, (laughs) different radio different stations with uh, comedians and then I come to school laughing so I think you really do have to like specifically control your outward environment Um, surround yourself with fun positive things I have two cats that probably like I just cuddle with my kitties and um, watch episodes of friends (laughs) you know I don't know some some kind of fun things
0: I agree. I was I was thinking about the same thing this morning because I've been listening to podcasts more myself and especially with the recent tragedy of Kobe Bryant, I've been kind of just motivated by all of the social media support that everyone has been showing. So I wanted to feel motivated. So I looked up podcasts that had interviews with Kobe Bryant. And so I think those are just ways that if you're looking for something, if you want to feel happy or laugh or you're looking for motivation, then you'll find it in those specific areas. But one thing I did want to ask is, can you kind of go into
1: the difference between cognitive behavioral therapy and talk therapy? I am not an expert, you know, my degrees are in kinesiology-related fields. Uh, my understanding, and as a, as a participant, um, cognitive behavioral therapy really gives you some specific ways. It's more based on mindfulness about um, observing your thoughts as rather than participating in or judging them, which is very closely related to hypnosis, by the way, being more of the observer of your thoughts and noticing judgments. Perhaps observing them, uh, writing them down, mm-hmm. and looking at them more objectively. Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy gives you specific tools to be the observer of your thoughts. It, I think would be the easiest way as a layperson. I would say it. Okay. Um, you know, maybe we could Google that and give people the the, the, actual <laughs> the technical. <laughs> uh, you know, talk therapy really—you just talk to people. And, right. and although some, I'll tell you uh having paying somebody to listen to you for an hour that can't interrupt or tell you what they think is a beautiful thing so <laughs> to have, to have a, a good therapist you can talk to i think can be incredibly helpful but at some point um you want to have some ways to figure out how to not keep participating in the same behaviors or thoughts or self self-defe- self-defeating um patterns and so i believe for me cbt Uh, gave me some action items and not just the awareness.
0: Right. And I actually attend therapy myself. And I would say it's kind of a mix of the two. Okay. Um, But for me, it's harder to talk and like elaborate on my feelings. So I think that it's important that the therapist gives me kind of a guidance as to what I can write about when I'm at home or if oh, something ahead. triggers me mm-hmm. when I'm not with the therapist, then I have the opportunity to observe it and kind of reflect on how I can do better for the next time.
1: Awesome. I, well, and how valuable, right? And and I think that there's been a, a tendency across the years and certainly across cultures, it's not limited to the United States. I think we're actually we're in pretty good shape compared to other countries. But um, why is it that we have been afraid to talk about these things? um so important Mm -hmm. we yeah it's a it's a health matter and so good for you and i i I hope that we can all (laughs) talk about these things openly
0: right but it's not easy so
1: true enough (laughs) true that everyone has
0: (laughs) their issues or something that's weighing them down of
1: course of course absolutely
0: Okay, but the second question that we kind of want to get into is what challenges you might have had to overcome that made you a more robust student and an individual?
1: This is a question I've, uh, and I'll, you know, fairness to the audience. Uh, Rachel did give me uh, the general questions <laughs> in advance, so I was able to sort of consider them, and I really thought about this because uh, um, I have a, a, a big story to tell, and I surely won't take all of our time today in, in going into the details. Uh, perhaps it'll be a... Uh, Showtime uh, series at some point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I, you know, in general, um, I was born in in Wyoming in the 60s. Uh, Not to be totally specific (laughs) about my age, but, um, you know, Wyoming is an actual state, not just a rumor or a state of mind. And I I know, now I'm offending all the people from Wyoming, but I'm a fifth (laughs) generation Wyomingite, so I reserve the right to pick on Wyoming. When I was Born there there were eight men to every woman. Um, it was very much an oil field, and in that type of an uh, environment, it's very common for there to be high rates of child abuse, sexual abuse, violence, spousal abuse, alcoholism, etc. It's not uncommon, and indeed, that's uh, a lot of what I was exposed to as an early, you know, as a, as a kid. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was five. And It was very different timing, you know. Now, when de- people divorce, there's logical visitation. At the time, it really wasn't a thing. Uh, My mother, as I mentioned, has a mental illness, but she's always been functional. Um, Unfortunately, her specific, she's a lovely person. Mm -hmm. She's just not quite able to connect with reality on a day-to-day basis. Uh, Unfortunately, as a child, this led to situations where between the ages of five and thirteen, I was sexually abused uh, by several different individuals, um, specifically her husband, and it was uh, it was a very difficult time. There were there were also some other things that went on that um, provided additional challenges. Uh, my first boyfriend, in fact, I'd, and I had told my mother, and she wasn't capable of hearing it. Um, I told my boyfriend at the time who was from a big city. He was from Salt Lake. So, uh, you know, more people in Salt Lake than in the entire state of Wyoming. (laughs) And he said, that's not okay. You need to go to the police. And indeed, I followed his advice. And he picked me up from school one day and took me to the Casper police station. I was 13. And I told the police that my stepfather was sexually abusing me. Now, this is the early 70s.
0: Yeah, that's a big thing to have to
1: it's not something that people talked about. Right. Particularly in Wyoming. Well, the police actually arrested my stepfather on the job. Um at that point in time my mother was just not capable of again operating and um I would say reality. So she is, is is common. She sided with her husband. Um at that point I had to move out. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my own safety. He was a violent person. So I also couldn't go to school. So that was the end of my formal education as well. So at that point, I had a seventh grade education. Um, I would say that over the next year, waiting for court was a difficult time. I began to drink. Um, It was uh, accessible to me. It numbed my pain. Unfortunately, I was predetermined to be um, susceptible to alcoholism. Uh, My family has a genetic uh, predisposition. So that kind of started an early road uh, with alcoholism for me. By the time we went to court, is interesting, Anita Hill was just here. And I was just recently watching Anita Hill testify and how groundbreaking that was. But interestingly, most people did not believe it, Anita Hill when that was happening. Mm-hmm. It was the times. Right. Well, when I went to court, there weren't any child protection laws um, for these things. And I met with the public defender two days I believe before we talked for half an hour that was my only preparation for court Um, they allowed my stepfather's uh, attorney to cross-examine me without any preparation Um, so you can imagine about how that went Mm -hmm. it was not good Um, it was a very difficult experience and ended up in allowing him to sort of walk away from the situation Um, this is why we now have child protection laws for these kinds, of, that wouldn't happen anymore. Right. And so I'm the poster child as to why we mm-hmm. have <laughs> those laws now. It sort of began a downward spiral, and um uh, without going into like extended details, for about ten years, I was um, often homeless. Um, I had a very difficult time with alcohol specifically. There were times of incredible violence. Um I almost lost my life several times. Um, I was stabbed. Um, I was trafficked which it sounds like I can talk about it now but it took me a while to put names to what happened to me right um, to identify actually what did happen so in truth I'm lucky to be alive quite lucky indeed Um, I was able to sober up um, two different years in that time period which is when I had my two beautiful daughters so fortunately that was uh, you know I'm so fortunate that they are well and fantastic women Um, In my early 20s, I got sober and began a long history of healing. Mm -hmm. I had terrible PTSD, which again, they didn't know what to call it then. Um, Finally one person did name it, um, but I would find myself in blackouts without drinking um, in terrible states. So it took a while to be able to function in reality. So I would say through those, it's kind of a long and dark story, (laughs) which I don't know, like most of my students don't know that. I think it's kind of important for people to know, though.
0: I do, too, especially (sighs) seeing you as maybe their professor. A lot of times you can't have that open relationship, but I think it's important to see that you're still human and perhaps they have gone through some of the same
1: traumas. I think so, right? Right. Uh, So I really getting sober, which I credit to AA, um, you know, was fantastic for me. Highly recommend it for anybody struggling. The 12-step program was helpful for me. I can't believe it. Uh, Bikram yoga helped me heal quite a lot. Physical activity was very important. Lots of therapy. Um, But I think it really made me kind of, it gave me a different skill set. I have a certain kind of grit. I can push through working two jobs and be in school full time um i wanted to go to school i felt that it was a complete privilege i think in the united states people tend to think that we all just uh oh, school something we have to do i didn't get to go to school and every time i tried uh afterward there seemed to be some massive uh block in my way and mm-hmm. people you know, we do tend to select people to reflect what we maybe knew in our early life, which I've been working on. Um, but I had people after I'd gotten sober telling me that I couldn't go to school. I wasn't smart enough or the money wasn't going to be available. So it really took until it took to uh, to get into school. And once I started, I wasn't going to quit until I had that doctorate, period. And that was mostly for me. like I needed to show that I, you know, that I had something to offer.
0: Right. And I think when you've gone through something so so impactful in your own life, you realize that other challenges that you may have perceived as challenges before are nothing. It's nothing. To that. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, no. I have to go do this studying? Right. Oh, goodness. There's a hard test? Oh, wow. Guess what? I'm sleeping indoors. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? And
0: being here is an opportunity, and especially going to college to study something that you hopefully want to do for the rest of your life. That's something that not everybody gets to do, and it's better than the alternative, for sure.
1: Well, and I think at UNLV, um, I've been able to really relate to certain students particularly that have struggled, because I love our students at UNLV. Um, You know, lots of folks come from great households and, you know, a fantastic education and background. And other students come from maybe they were vets and maybe they've served in Afghanistan or Iraq and they've had some real trauma. I've met several students. I had a student last semester who spent four years in prison and found nutrition healed her life. Um, Many students from different countries with all kinds of, you know, really like things I think I went through were hard. I hear some of the things my students have gone through and it just, shivers me, you know, to my bones, if you will. So I I feel that I'm in a unique position to be able to relate to some of our student body, whereas i had I have had an easier life, so maybe it all works out, right? Right. <laughs> I, I get to be here to to support that next person and then hopefully they can do the same.
0: Exactly. And things that you may perceive in your own life that maybe weren't as drastic as somebody else they might be thinking the same thing about you <laughs> it's usually <laughs> the case <isn't> it? <laughs> so i think it just puts everything into perspective for both sides of the situation and it, it allows us to kind of come out of our own bubble and see things for what they are really so going into the third question um What I wanted to ask is, did you have anyone to talk to in those times where your mental health may have taken a toll because you were focused on your goals or maybe you were even focused on those situations because they were so prominent in your life that maybe you couldn't focus on your goals as much?
1: In college, I would say I could have done a much better job caring for my mental health. Again, I really didn't understand uh, you know that what was happening until I was in my latter part of graduate school. I would say that prior to that, I did, I, I, I needed all the help that <laughs> I could get, particularly in my 20s and certainly going into my 30s. So I've always been a person who is, uh, you know, since, since since the time I've gotten sober, which is really I think when my life began, to reach out for help when I needed it, and and whether that be a therapist or a good friend. Um, in some cases, uh, you know, in my life, I've reached out to religious uh, mentors. Um, I think sometimes help can come from the most surprising places. I think it's just being willing to talk to other people. Um, but as a student, I think I could have done a much better job. And I, as I learned through my dissertation and really examining the resources available on campus, I think it's really important for students to know. And I hope that um, if you are a student listening to this, that you will check out um, our website for the IHS hub if you're not a student in our school certainly check out the the CAPS or the uh, counseling and psychologi- psychological services at UNLV as well as the practice so there are a lot of options um, you're not alone I think talk to another student talk to a professor talk to me um, sometimes it's just nice to have another human being <laughs> like hear your words mm-hmm. um, so Yeah, I would say in school, it's pretty common to put that next paper before your health, before your sleep, before your mental health, Um, getting into that athletic training program, right? Uh, Applying for occupational therapy school or nursing school or whatever you're doing. It's easy to put those things first. Uh, Life is long. It's your journey, right? So sometimes I think for students, it's so important, like really like, you've got to be first. If you you if you're standing at the end of that road and you can't function, um was it worth it? Right. And I I really I mean I hate to bring this up because it's such a dark topic, but I have lost a few students to suicide in the past few years here and I can't really explain from just as a teacher the heartbreak and I can't even that doesn't even match like certainly family and friends, et cetera. Um, We lost one of our own from our department um, a couple years ago. It was very tragic. And it's people that I think sometimes that don't reach out, that don't talk to that person sitting next to them, that we have to worry about. And Mm -hmm. so just having these kinds of conversations, like letting people know, I think can be really valuable. Um, Anyway, yeah, so I don't know. I didn't really kind of circled around your question, but... (laughs) It's easy. It's easy to let your mental health go. You know, please don't. Right. You're important.
0: Unfortunately, it does take a certain amount of situations for you to realize I have to put myself first. Mm -hmm. And I think that in college, it's kind of like the prime time for students to just experience certain things and then see, okay, well, this happened to me and maybe a cycle like that repeated several times and then finally I didn't put up with it any, anymore, so now I'm taking the steps necessary and I'm going to put myself
1: first. Whatever that means. I mean there's no perfect. I think also we like and I as I get older I continue to like there's no I wish things were more black and white, if you will, that there was a right and a wrong. Um sometimes you know, it, may, it may be that you just talk to a friend or maybe a, a family member who you can really listen, maybe a favorite aunt or a neighbor. That's okay. And it doesn't have to be that you're going to go do six months of therapy or you're going to work out six hours a day. It's just a little something, mm-hmm. right? Hula hoop. Get a dog. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Get a dog for sure. Get, get a dog. Get a kitty. I'm a kitty girl. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm a dog girl, but uh, yeah. they both do the same. <laughs> Whatever comforts you even if it's not talking to somebody, if it's writing your yeah, thoughts down. Yeah. Or Get going, a coloring book. Yeah, or go to mm-hmm. a, a space that you feel safe in just to process your feelings. That's important. And just making a, a few minutes a day just to kind of reflect on how the day went or what you would like to see different for tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good suggestion. You know, I, I remember when I was an undergraduate, and it was actually the recession, so it was – we were pretty tough times in Vegas, and I was trying to go to school, and I um, was kind of working through a difficult divorce, I was representing myself in court, Some it was, oh, I was crazy. Um, and I would work a job, and then I'd show up and the building would be, you know, the doors would be locked, there'd be no paycheck, it was just, and it was really like I wanted so desperately to just give up, and I knew better. Mm-hmm. So because I had some skills, I learned to, when I was going to sleep at night, imagine that I was surrounded by, um, this is going to sound really, the woo-woo police are going to come get me, I know. <laughs> <it>. um, <laughs> I was surrounded by like um, golden light and feathers. I was wrapped in a warm blanket. Nothing could hurt me. I would just use my imagination to surround myself in this and drift into sleep in that state. So sometimes just mental tricks like that um, Really, I mean that makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it doesn't necessarily even have to be, as you say, like a formal sitting down to talk with somebody. Right. Uh, yeah. Learn some, get some tools, man. Get some tools. <laughs> yeah. You know, and one thing I have to say is kind of unusual, and I I share this with students now. I used to have, but you know, when the depression during school was seemed to be the most pronounced, wasn't at finals. It wasn't at midterms. It was between semesters. And it doesn't intuitively make sense. And the first couple of times it happened, it freaked me out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what happens is you're going, you're going, you're going, you're going. And, like, you know, you're on adrenaline and you're – and then everything stops. Mm-hmm. And you don't have any papers due. And you, your friends have scattered because you haven't talked to them in a year and a half. And you're too tired to go hang out with family. And you really have nothing. And I think that's the time, in fact – the student that we lost recently, it was after uh, the student had successfully completed their bachelor's degree with a very high GPA and was ready to apply to a professional school. And I just wonder, like, was it that downtime?
0: For my own experience, I would say that that is kind of more common to have that downtime period where you you feel a little more lost because you yeah. kind of lose your sense of purpose or direction. <laughs> right.
1: You don't have those 900 things on your
0: Right. And it, those, those things are important, but they can be a distraction, especially if you let them right. take priority. And and then when you're in between semesters, you're kind of trying to figure out, well, is is what I'm doing still purposeful in my life or it, the classes I've chosen for n- next right. semester? Any do number even... of things you're thinking. Right. right.
1: So I, I think that definitely can so have taking an impact. Student loans. You're worried about that. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing I learned that this is going to happen. So what I did is at the end of a semester, I always give myself like two or three days to, for me, you know, if everybody's going to be different, I'm sure I could make healthier choices. I'm sure I could go hike or whatever. Okay, so make your healthy choice. I allow myself permission to be a slug. And I, you know, binge watch something or order DoorDash or like play games on my phone. And I just give myself permission to do it and if i allow myself that time then in a few days i feel better and i know that i've just i'm exhausted it's the end of a semester it's a new cycle but i wonder sometimes if students don't like they think there's something wrong and i, I wonder if we could pull like everybody if we don't all go through something like that mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that kind of goes into that type A personality, which I definitely have. And you kind of just don't allow yourself to take a break. Right. You just think, oh, well, I did accomplish this semester, but there's still other goals I have in mind. So why would I stop now? Which is true, but there are times when it's important to say, okay, I need to just take a break, reward myself for what I did. And then in a few days, I'll be ready to go hard again.
1: Well, we have to remember that we're human beings. We're not human doings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to just be sometimes is, is about the best gift we can give ourselves. Right. And, you know, I tell I tell when we do our meditations at LEAD Library during um, our Fitness for Finals projects, um, I tell students while I'm doing the guided meditation, like, you're important. Not everybody chooses to go through this. Uh, it's hard. What we're doing is hard here. This is not easy. Um, But the world needs you. And that's true for everybody, whether you're a student or not. Like, nobody can repeat being you. Mm -hmm. And in the beautiful mosaic that is this life, um, you're very important. And I I, I hope that anybody listening to this understands that. And we all make mistakes. We make, oh, my gosh, I've made (laughs) just, like, I'd be too embarrassed to tell you. I make mistakes every day. Um, And that's just part of being human. Right. Uh, yeah, but you know you're we're important, and if you're attempting this education piece, it's not easy, um, and you'll make it. It's <laughs> a full time job. It's, it's <laughs> it's full-time unpaid, job. Yeah. It is a full time job. I'm paid, but it will pay off. You're paying for it, yeah.
0: <laughs> so the last question. Well, we actually have two more questions, okay. but I'm going to ask you right now as a professor, or taking yourself outside of maybe the student perspective. What do you notice that students struggle with most when trying to balance their mental health while being successful in school? I know we kind of have lightly touched on that topic, sure. but if you want to go into that.
1: Well, it's, it's always hard to know because I think students tend to show their professors one side. I like to think that I open myself up so students can be more personal, but still, like, you know, I'm... They don't know who I am. I'm just this grown up person in the front of the room going, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do this. Another Facebook discussion. Yeah, so, um, but I, I think I, I can only guess that students do experience some of the things I mentioned. Um, at the same time, I think in this day and age that uh, students, I think y'all have different stresses than I had or people of my age. I don't think I'm a very good representative of anything unusual, <laughs> but. Life is a bit different, um, so I, I think a couple of things that I've noticed is that students don't sleep.
0: Yes, I make sure that I sleep. Good We've for you. talked about this in previous podcasts, but I think that it is very common to yeah. not sleep. Yeah,
1: <laughs> sleep is so important, and in fact, it's the only way your brain works. You you study that extra two hours, and you don't sleep. Very good chance your brain's not going to remember what you studied. The brain is an organ; it works a certain way. It needs sleep. Uh, so I think students miss sleep. I think that they tend to do a lot of social comparison. So, oh, well that person is graduating next semester. What am I doing wrong? Or mm-hmm. what's that person taking? And I should be, t- uh, no, it's your, it's you drive your bus. This is your journey. If you need to take an extra year, take an extra year. If you need to take summer classes and not take 15 hours a semester, I would say that in our discipline, in the science disciplines, I think students load up on too many credit hours. Um, There's a big push, 15 to finish, which has shown to help students get through quicker. I think if you're in the sciences and every class you take has a lab, I'm not sure if 15 hours is doable. It's a lot. Because you've got a class with a lab, that's two classes. So I did 12 each semester and then six in the summer, which equated to 15 to finish. So that's another thing, and people will push you, but it's still your journey. I also understand that student loans have become a really important topic and that we're all trying to avoid taking student loans. But if it's a difference between being able to apply yourself to your studies or quitting school to take that few thousand dollars, I mean, you're talking about a lifetime of an entirely different career trajectory if you finish that degree. So it might be okay to take a little bit, right? If right. you don't have any other option. I see students working, you know, they're single parents, they're vets, they're, you know, terrified to take student loans because it's a scam and they're barely making it. And just to take like two or $3,000 of loans would make all the difference. It's like, why not? Mm-hmm. you'll get them paid off eventually so i don't know i i I think uh students in this day and age have some interesting challenges yeah Um, different pressures right
0: every i mean there's always pressures but i definitely um relate to those especially the um taking out student loans that's kind of where i'm at right now because i want to take on more um work so that way i i don't have to take out a loan but at the same time i'm Going to school full time, and that it really is a job, and you just can't like tire yourself out that much to where then you're putting school behind and you're not succeeding as much in school because you're trying to pay for school.
1: Well, and 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 I understand, and I you know I will say I I will have student loans till for a very long time. (laughs) I wouldn't have made it. I couldn't have stayed in school. Um, I do help my mother with her finances. She's you know as I've mentioned, she's not really capable of. I I have bills, Um, I'm a grown person, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't make the money I needed to make and go to school full-time. So for me, it was an investment in my future. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that we need to back off a little bit in our messaging with students right now. Um, It's okay to take a little longer, do 12, 12, and 6, Um, if you need to take those two. if, If it takes you to take a little bit of money in student loans to finish your degree, Rachel, I'll i will mean, still right? finish. Oh, right, and right. I mean, just you know, be wise about it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think that that that, that might.
0: I think that helps kind know. of ease the pressure that a lot of people might be feeling.
1: Well, and if if we have some uh, alumni out there listening to our podcast, you know, certainly, you know, UNLV is a state funded tuition based institution, and um, we're always looking for scholarships so that we can better support our students so that they don't have to face these challenges. Mm -hmm. So if you are uh, one of our alumni or one of our community partners listening, I hope you will contact me if you're interested in providing scholarship funding for our students. Um, We have a really fantastic group of individuals that are on fire to change the world and we need and to give them support they deserve our support so I would hope that you would consider like donating to scholarship funds for our our fantastic rebel students
0: yes we we would very much appreciate that (laughs) speaking for myself but um I really appreciated you coming in today and having this Pretty deep conversation, but very necessary. But um, there's one more thing that I want to ask that Mm -hmm. I didn't really give you a chance to prepare for, (laughs) (laughs) but we want it to be straight from your heart and true. So, being that this podcast is the Rebel Groundbreakers podcast, kind of just want to know what you feel about you identifies as a groundbreaker, or how do you want to leave a groundbreaking mark on UNLV and on? The world,
1: wow, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, I want to make sure that when I leave this planet, whenever that is, that I have been of maximal service. Um, I think because of my background, and because I feel like I should probably not even be alive based on some events. Um, everything I do is like frosting here, so. Um, I want to make a mark at UNLV, I want to change education for our students, I want to give our students the opportunities that they deserve to be what they want to be so they can better take care of their families and their, you know, their communities. Um, so I want to keep working at UNLV to help support this really amazing group of students. I, I have students that come from all over the world whose families have spent everything to get them here. And they deserve the very best from us. So I will knock down walls to make sure they get what they need. Um, I would not mind working in the White house and helping to improve education overall. Um, I am ready to go big, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> go big or go home. Exactly. So I'm and I think the reason I kind of consider myself a groundbreaker probably is because of my background. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's unusual to come from having a seventh grade education to being an assistant dean. Uh, but I certainly worked for it. Uh, so I, it's a great question though. Yeah. And yeah.
0: a lot of people listening, if that you are students, you might know Dr. Jalen now as a professor. So I think that it's kind of, it's really interesting just to see how the pattern of your life has Transitioned into something that is actually very big, and you aren't just a professor. That, like, we're not just seeing you as some older lady who's in <laughs> <laughs> just older, some nice old lady. You know, <laughs> <laughs> with cats. I mean, I didn't mean it in that. No, sense, no, that's again. Okay.
1: <laughs> I am older, which we've established so, that. That's just fact. <laughs> that,
0: that's just how the the game has gone out. But you know, we, we're not just looking at you as somebody who we can't you know, put ourselves into that position, like you took yourself through your whole journey with us. I mean, you explained it to us and showed us that you came from the bottom and you literally made a path for yourself. And I think that
1: is very groundbreaking in itself. Well, thank you very much. I definitely would like to, um, if I've answered, I'm sorry, and I don't mean to cut you off. No. Mm -mm. So I just have in my notes here, um, if you are a student at UNLV, I want to give you a couple phone numbers, and um, we definitely want to make sure you have access to this information. So um, however, we need to, can we put links with the podcast? Yes. Great. So we'll put links on on, um, on the IHS hub. If you aren't on the IHS Hub, you can call the Counseling and Psychological Services at 702-895-3627. So that is actually provides free services for students that are enrolled in a certain number of credit hours and will always see you if you are in extreme crisis. As well, um, the practice is another option here on campus. And the phone number for the practice is 702-895-1532 course always reach out to anyone that works here. Um, reach out to your fellow students. Uh, talk to that person next to you. You never know what's going on with them. Maybe uh, they'd be fun to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I know you have a lot of emails and a lot of people contacting you on a daily basis but is there a way that students can maybe have your contact
1: information? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Um, so you're always welcome to email me. I try to be pretty quick about it. Um, Sharon, Jalen at UNLV.edu. That's uh, S H A R O N. J A L E N E at UNLV.edu. And my office line is seven zero two You're always welcome to reach out.
0: Thank you so much, and we really appreciate having you here today.
1: Thank you for what you're doing. I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) We're so excited to have you and to continue this podcast and share more stories about anybody who was, whether they were an alumni at UNLV or current students. We just want to continue spreading positivity and ideas as to how students can be successful and start their groundbreaking they groundbreaking life. Go Rebels! Go Ooh. Rebels! <laughs> so just in case you wanted to take note of those um, phone numbers or points of contact, or just view the transcript from today's podcast, you can look in the Canvas page that we posted the podcast. And remember, here at UNLV, we are groundbreakers, paving new ground, elevating our mental health, and making our mark.